just uh, finished a series called Love Mondays, and uh, the message I want to bring today, I might as well call it Love Paydays. Come on, anyone like paydays? We're going to talk about money this morning, right? We, we don't major on money. We don't, we don't necessarily preach too much to the money and, and kind of get people to dig into their wallets and, and get money out as often as we can get the opportunity to, but we do teach about it. Money is important. Money is, is something that we all find valuable. How many people like money? How many people would want more money? How many could probably do something better with their money? We're probably all in that same category. So uh, money is important. So we're going to talk about money this morning. We're going to talk about the importance of money. Uh, if we don't think money is important, try suggesting that to your power company or your phone company when they are requesting you pay for your subscription or whatever it is or your, your bill. You know, money is important. Money is a commodity by which we trade. Often we get our value, our worth based on what we earn. The Bible talks a lot about money. It's quite different to the world. The world would say, get as much as you can. You know, pursue it, chase it, go after it. Climb the corporate ladder, get to the very top and win the game. The one with the most toys wins, right? Well, the one with the most toys also dies and we don't get to take our toys with us. So if we want to live a blessed life, we want to live a blessed life to be a blessing to others. I want to be blessed to be a blessing. And it sounds like a cliche, but there is so much truth in that. If I can be a blessing to somebody else because of the blessing that's on my life, that's the kingdom of God right there. So I want to encourage us in the holy area of money this morning. Uh, the Bible talks a lot about money. The book of Proverbs, a great book, lots of little one or two sentence quips and, and proverbs and thoughts around money, our mouth, our motive, uh, you know, our morals. But money is massive in the Bible. And we get a, a real understanding of the importance of money when Jesus, who's the, the main character in the Bible, when he starts talking about money. Three times more than any other conversation is around money and possessions. So Jesus thinks that money is important and the possessions and our wealth so if he thinks it's important, then we need to focus on that as well. So in the book of Luke, Jesus is asked by someone in the crowd to tell his brother to share an inheritance with him. They, they, they take a good moment there, don't they? Well, there's a big crowd around them. Come on. Jesus, can you tell my brother to share the inheritance? And so Jesus goes into this, this dialogue, this conversation around the things that we have, you know, what we own and, and, and what's important to us. And he goes on and he says in Luke 12, verse 22, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? Goes on verse 31, but seek his kingdom meaning put God first, and these things will be given to you as well. Verse 33, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys, for where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Would you pray with me this morning as we, we look at money together? Heavenly Father, we, we just give you glory and praise for, for all that you have given us. We, we are so blessed. We live in a nation that is rich with your blessing. God, even in our poverty, Lord, we are, we are rich compared to so many others. Lord, let us never take that for granted. Let us always look to you as our source, as our provision. 
May we honor you in, in all things to do with our money, that you would get glory and honor in the way we would live our lives. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So for many of us, the last verse here, it says, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. For many of us, our money is our treasure. So that's where our heart hangs out. For many of us, money is, is a driving force for everything we do. Working, saving, just trying to get more money. Come on, life of a student. Can I get an amen on that one? You know, <laughs> you know, just struggling just to stay afloat, pay the bills, provide for our children and, 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 and you know, provide a home just for the basic necessities. It requires money to do that. It's important that we stay connected to God and not connected to our money. We don't want our money to be the reason for living. And if we want to get that in the right order, there's a few things we need to realize. First thought is that we need to recognize our finances come from God. Our finances come from God. They don't, they don't come because of me. You know, it's, it's, it's not what I've created. What we have is God's. Psalm 24, 1, it says, The earth is the Lord's. That's the entirety of the earth. And all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. We, we are God's resource. So we are simply stewards or managers of what he has. It changes our perspective when we understand that all we have is actually God's first. Even our children are a resource given to us by God to care for, to manage sometimes, <laughs> and to look after. When we recognize our wealth and also our ability to generate wealth comes from God, then everything we do with our money actually gives glory to God. You think about it, how I spend my money how I save it, how I invest it, how I sow it into, into other ministries and opportunities. When I realize that that can give glory to God, that changes everything in my whole perspective. Proverbs 10, 22, it says, the blessing of the Lord brings wealth. And I think we misunderstand God and finances when we look at money to provide us with security. Because it's very easy to look at my ability to earn money and say, look what I've done and look what I've provided for my family. And, and it's kind of a natural conclusion to come to. I've worked hard, and so in return, I've received these dollars, so therefore, I have done this. But let's remember that the resource that we've been given is actually the Lord's first, that we are stewards, we are managers, we are caretakers of what He's already given us. He who fears the Lord has a secure fortress. Proverbs 14, 26, for his children, it will be a refuge. Come on, if we love the Lord, if we fear the Lord, we will be able to enjoy that fortress, that secure fortress. Rich and poor have this in common. Proverbs 22, 2, the Lord is the maker of them all. Our wealth, our status, where we find ourselves, whether we would consider ourselves rich or poor, the Lord made all of us. And so whether we feel like we've got money or wealth or, or resource or we don't, the Lord still made us. The Lord is still the one who provided the resource. Second thought this morning is that we need to learn to be satisfied with what we have. Maybe we could just settle on this one today and just get this one right. It'll probably take a whole lifetime trying to get this one right, eh? This is tough. This is hard, learning to be satisfied with what we have. Paul, the, the writer of many of the books in the, in the New Testament, he, he, he writes to the church of Philippi in the book of Philippians. And he's talking about all the different things that have happened in his life, the incredible, wonderful moments that have taken place, but then also some of those moments where 
things were tough, the challenges that he faced. This is what he says. He says, I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And then there's a verse that we, we do probably as Christians a very bad job of um, misquoting this and taking this completely out of context. <laughs> I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. You know, I can bench press 500 kilos if I just believe enough. <laughs> yeah. But what Paul was saying is I can do everything that God asks me to do because it's him who strengthens me. He's the one who's resourced me. He's the one that has given me all I need to be able to make it a reality. Contentment is a beautiful thing. What does contentment look like? Peace. Anyone like a bit of that in their life? Peace. Because what's the alternative? Stress, striving, chasing the wind, chasing after that pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. It's like I finally reached my financial goal and then all of a sudden I've got another one. And then I get that next promotion only to strive and believe for that next promotion, that next one and that next one. Now, I have no problem with raises and promotions and all of that, and that's great. But in the moment, right here, right now, are you content? Are you content knowing that God's got your future in mind? Knowing that He's got your promotions and your bonuses and all of those things in mind? Can you be content here in this moment? Contentment is something that we all need. We need to have that peace in our life which comes through contentment. Uh, some of you may know that recently Amy and I moved into a new house, when I say a new house, an older new house. Um, when we came back from Bangladesh, we both separately felt like God was speaking to us about putting our house on the market. We'd only been in it three years. We'd, we, we bought the land and built the house and we thought that was our forever home and it was great and we loved the home and no reason to sell it other than God said, I want you to sell your house and downsize your mortgage. There's some things we wanted to do as a family. As a 14-year-old, my family went over to Fiji. We spent a few weeks over there and, and, and just lived with a couple that opened their home, this tiny little two-bedroom home, and 15 of us staying in this home for a few weeks, and, and we discovered what contentment looked like because there wasn't, there wasn't any floor space after we filled it. But the laughter, the fun, the joy, the worship, the prayer that took place in that, in that house. You know, we would look at that house today and we would say it's below New Zealand standards. It wouldn't be good enough for someone in New Zealand to live in that home. And we spent three weeks, probably the three best weeks of my life up until that point. And I discovered what contentment looked like. As we hung out every afternoon playing volleyball in touch with the, these, these kids. I didn't, we didn't visit a beach in, 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 in Fiji. We, didn't, we, we just were in the middle of the island. But what an experience that was. And we thought, how, how, do, how do we make sure that our kids get some experiences like that? Well, at the moment, we can't afford to do that. So we made the decision. An amazing, miraculous story. You can go back to our mountain moving series. I've shared a little bit of that. But God miraculously provided. We sold a house and ended up getting... Another house for less mortgage, and we end up getting more house, older house. But you know what? Being content, I got to look at my shower now, which is very different to my new shower and my old house, new house. And I'm going, thank you, Jesus, that even though that's leaking, that you know, I, there's a contentment in me saying, we did this. 
Because God, you asked us to. And I can do all things, even have that shower. (laughs) Come on, learning to be content. Learning to be satisfied with what we have. And then the third thing is uh, don't compare ourselves with others. Come on, don't get on that treadmill. It's hard to get off that one. It's such a big thing that God considered it big enough to list it in the Ten Commandments. This is what he said, Exodus 20, 17. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey or Porsche or Wi-Fi TV, high-definition TV, whatever, anything that belongs to your neighbor. It's kind of this blanket. It's like everything, anything. Whatever they have, don't covet it. Don't, don't, don't think that that's the goal. Oh, it's so, so easy to compare ourselves. I mean, we can compare ourselves with someone who's earning more than we are. And then we find ourselves getting jealous of them. Or we can find ourselves looking at someone who earns less than us. And we can feel quite chuffed, quite proud. A bit of ego gets in there. I'm better than that person. So we're going to find ourselves creeping into places that God doesn't want us to be in if we keep comparing ourselves to others. So don't compare yourself to others. It's often we, we can look at people who maybe we would say have considerable wealth. We look at them and go, oh, it would be nice to be you. But we don't look at the 40 years of business. We, we, we don't look at the, the, the failures that took place, the, the, the near bankruptcy or even bankruptcy. The 40 years of hard work and the, and the, the long hours, the 70-hour weeks that got them to this place where maybe they are financially free. See, we can look at somebody else's journey and wish we had the outcome, but we're not so keen to have that journey. So let's look at our life, our journey, and say, God, I'm going to be content, I'm going to be satisfied, and I'm not going to compare myself to anybody else. I love this quote. I don't know who said it, but I love it. One reason why it's so hard to save money is that our neighbors keep buying stuff we can't afford. (laughs) You like that one? It's like you look over the fence and go, I've got a new boat. I don't even have a boat. I've got to go get me a boat. So stop comparing yourself. Run your race. Can't run anybody else's race. Let God lead you and guide you. Here's another thought. If you rejoice over someone else's weeping or weep over someone else's rejoicing, come on, I think we got that wrong. If somebody's successful, if somebody's doing well, we've got this thing called the tall poppy syndrome. We see somebody who's successful, who's, who's just excelling at everything. We've got to find a way to chop them down, bring them down to our level. I'm, 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 I'm the opposite to that. I'm like, you're winning. Awesome. Come on, I'm so glad that you're the top of your field. I'm so glad that you're cutting edge. I'm so glad that you're, you're going beyond anything I've ever done. Come on, we should celebrate other people's successes. Because that means in turn when... We see somebody else who's struggling. Guess what? Our heart, with that same desire to bless that person, says, man, I can bless that person. I can help that person. I'm not going to rejoice over that person's struggle. I'm actually going to get involved. I'm going to get involved with that person's life and help them. We've got an incredible opportunity to love people and bless people. 2 Corinthians 9, 8, 
says, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things and at all times, having all that you need, there's a lot of alls in there, you will abound in every good work. Come on, I believe this verse sums up the blessed life. This is God's heart, that you and I would live a blessed life, one that is filled with, with the resource of God, so that when we have this resource, we can be a blessing to others. But to walk the blessed life, requires two legs, two legs, a leg of extreme stewardship and extreme generosity. I love what Robert Morris says, and this is his thoughts from his book, The Blessed Life. If you haven't read it, I encourage you to do it. I've read it three or four times, and I would encourage you to get this book. You can get it online, get it on Kindle, buy it in the bookstore, go and go to Manor, buy it from the bookstore. It's an incredible book teaching on the principles, and I'm sharing some of these today. But he says, if God can get it through you, he'll get it to you. If he can get it through me, if it doesn't stay and just bless me, but it can bless others, God will continue to resource you. He'll continue to fill your pockets and your bank account and your business. And I I know there are people sitting in this room today. They have made a commitment. God, every bit of wealth that we get over and above what we need, we're just passing it on. We're blessing other people. God just keeps blessing them just keeps giving them more and more and more because he knows they're not going to spend it on themselves. It'll bless a bunch of other people. That's the blessed life where a community benefits from my blessing. So extreme stewardship. If, man, if money is managed well, it can be powerful. Uh, money, as Kevin Gerald says, is a dominion certificate. Money says to land, I can own you. Money says to vision, I can fulfill you. Money says to building, I can build you. Money says to things, I can buy you. What could we do if we just had that extra bit of resource in the vision that God's given us? So, well, just give me more money, God. God says, actually, I've given you what you need. Maybe you could be a better steward of that money. What does it mean to be a better steward? To steward, to, to look after, to care for the things that God has given us. Here's a few thoughts around extreme stewardship before we look at extreme generosity. First thought is bring your first and best to God. As long as I can remember, I've brought my first and my best to God. From a very young age, I've brought a tithe into the storehouse, into, into the church. I truly believe that the local church is the hope of the world. I'm absolutely convinced this is my life. Whether I was a pastor or not, I would be in the house of God. I always have been, right from a very young age. If I didn't get to do this job anymore, I'd be sitting as close to the front row as I could every single Sunday. Worship leader of my row, just giving God everything. Because this is where I belong. This is where we get trained and equipped for ministry. I believe in this place. I believe in what it does, what it builds in community. I believe that we are coming into a season in our world where the church the practical aspect of the church is going to have to make a whole lot more sense. How we reach and touch our community. People are looking. People are asking questions about what is the church? Who is the church? How are we treating people? How are we loving our community? So I believe if we bring our first and our best to God, it's kind of like, imagine you were given a a, a beautiful, delicious pie at the start of every week. And you, you can slice it into different portions, okay? Some of that goes to the mortgage and some of that goes to the rent. Some of that goes to food and clothing and all the kids' activities and all of these different things, power and phone and whatever it is. 
who gets the first slice? Who gets the first slice? Does the power, the rent, the mortgage? I've made a decision, God gets my first slice. So it's as soon as money goes into my bank account, the next day, it's straight out. It's my tithe, my commitment to God, my, my returning to Him what is His. For all of our life, our married life, we've never, we've never strayed from that. You know, I don't remember the last time that I actually thought, oh, it'd be nice to have that tithe back. It'd be nice to spend that. Never, ever been tempted to do that. Because I know that's just a simple principle of obeying God. If we walk in obedience in the other areas, why not in this area too? Maybe for some, this is a challenge for you. Maybe this is your next step. I'm not coercing. I'm not, I wouldn't have a clue what anybody gives in this place. I'm so glad I don't. Oh, my heart's not that pure to, you know, to treat you differently, maybe. I'm so glad I don't know. What you give, you give to God. But that step of obedience is what God is asking of you. Bring your first and your best to God. Talks in Malachi. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. There may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. I believe when we bring that tithe into the storehouse, we build community together. Now, I believe the tithe is, the, for me, the starting place. Many, many give over and above the tithe. But some of you are saying, well, I, I actually, I'm in debt. I, I can't even pay my bills, let alone return to God a tithe. What do I do there? Get out of debt. Do whatever you can to get out of debt. Don't, 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 don't you know, your, your heart, if your heart is committed to God, he knows that. But don't get yourself in more debt by giving to God. Get yourself out of debt. Ricky, would you stand up for a moment? This is Ricky Wilson. He heads our CAP ministry, Christians Against Poverty. Does an incredible job. Rachel Young, my sister. I love my sister. She runs our CAP money course, so budgeting and kind of setting, um, setting your budget in place. But if, if you want to know some, some more information about uh, what it means to, maybe, maybe you're actually in debt and you need to get out of debt. Um, have a chat with Ricky after the service or uh, talk to Rachel. Maybe you need to just get a budget in place, uh, not a spending plan, a budget, yeah, a budget in place. Say it. It's good for your budget. Budget. Some of you, it's hard to get out. Budgeting is very, very good for all of us. So next one, next thought is we need to invest for future generations. Proverbs 13, 22 says, a good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children but a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. Sometimes God asks us to give away everything we have, but that's an exception, not the rule. Uh, you know, if, if a farmer was to give away all of his seed at the end of a, of a harvest, that's foolishness. You've got to sow some in the next season, right? And so I, I, I as a parent, I want to be responsible. Maybe God will tell me to give everything away one day. Of course I'll be obedient to that. But he also says, be wise, store up an inheritance for your children's children. So I'm not thinking just my kids, I'm thinking their kids. So what am I storing up for them today that they will be able to use and enjoy for tomorrow? Man, if wealth didn't have to be, a pursuit of wealth, if that didn't have to be a problem for them, if they could own their own home when they hit 21, how cool would that be? They'll have to face their other challenges and they'll have to do, you know, I'm not saying that they couldn't, you know, that they don't have to work for it, but how amazing would that be? What about this place? Wouldn't it be cool if when we pass the baton on in a few years' time, the person who takes it, this place is mortgage-free. 
How incredible would that be? That the, the mission goes wider out into this place. Maybe there's more buildings that need to be built alongside this one because we keep filling it with more people that come to know Jesus. I mean, wouldn't that be amazing if we could be a part of investing in the next generation? So to be an extreme stewardship, for extreme stewardship, we need to store up for the next generation. And then thirdly, we don't waste your wealth. Don't waste your wealth. I've got no problem with wealth. Neither does God. In fact, when Solomon dedicated the temple, it was, it was opulent. I mean, if, if you think this is a nice place, the, the temple that Solomon built was magnificent, absolutely magnificent. And God blessed him with his presence. So God's got no problem with wealth. What he doesn't want is us to waste our wealth. Now, you might have a lot of money or you might have a little bit, but we can all waste it. Come on, we probably all need to do a bit of a stock take. I know Amy and I are in the process of that right now. What are the things that we, we, we spend our money on that actually we probably don't need to? What could we cut out of our budget that is just purely pleasure? Just, you know, things that are nice but not necessary. I wonder if we could find a little bit more money in our budget to be able to do some other cool things. Quite possibly. Good challenge for all of us. Don't waste your wealth. So how are we doing in, in regards to extreme stewardship? We're doing okay? Bit of work? Keep working on it? So as a team come this morning, I want to talk about extreme generosity as God opens up the floodgates of heaven and pours out a blessing that we cannot contain. <laughs> come on. Are we living a life of generosity, pouring out our lives for other people? My boy, we're having an awesome conversation over the holidays. We're talking about living a life that was generous, a spirit-filled life. And my little theologian son, Josiah, says, but dad, generosity isn't a part of the fruits of the spirit. I'm like, yeah, you're right. But kindness is. And so generosity falls within kindness. But you know what? We've got to live a life of generosity. We've got to live a life that says, I'm going to give over and above. I'm going to bless. I'm going to sow into the next generation. But you know what? 2 Corinthians 9, 6, it says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. It's really important to understand that we can't be generous if we're not first good stewards. We have to be good stewards of what God has given us. I can't take a step as a steward and then not take a step of generosity. We have to step with stewardship and generosity. That is the blessed life. And we could probably call it to close right then, couldn't we? But I want to pray for some people this morning. You know, John Wesley, he once said, earn all you can, save all you can, give all you can. Doesn't say spend all you can in there, I don't think. Let's read that again. Earn all you can. Come on, go after it. Build your business. Go after those promotions. Get those opportunities. Grow in your influence. Earn all you can. And then save all you can. Use your money wisely. Put it aside for the future generations or, or plant a seed with another business. You might say, I've got a desire to be in business one day, but all I've got is $10. Invest it somewhere. Invest it into someone and something else. And then... Give all you can. Let's live a life of generosity. 
You say, I don't have much money. Give your time. I've got a little bit of money. That's enough. The boy with the loaves and fishes, that's all he needed. That's all Jesus needed. So maybe this morning, in the area of stewardship, or in the area of generosity, God's been speaking to you. With every head bowed, eye closed. I want to pray a prayer for anybody that just felt a little nudge from God today. Saying, I, I, I know I need to just deal with this in my life, this holy area of stewardship or this holy area of generosity. Just so I know who I'm praying for, would you, just with every head bowed, eye closed, would you, would you just slip your hand up and say, yeah, God's spoken to me in that particular area. Anyone here this morning? Awesome. Anyone else? Fantastic. Great. That's wonderful. Awesome up the back there. Great. Come on, let me pray. You receive this as a prayer. Make this prayer your own this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you for all that you've given us. Thank you that the resource we have is yours, first and foremost. God, I pray you would allow me to be a generous person. But Lord, that might mean, first of all, I've got to be a good steward with what you've already given me. God, I don't want to give what I don't have. God, I pray, Lord, that you would use us to be a blessing. Lord, that we would live a blessed life. Lord, give us courage to make change where change needs to take place. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed and eye closed, before we close, we always want to give the opportunity for people to respond to the message of hope, to the message of Jesus. We're talking about stewardship, but for some people, we can't settle the stewardship issue until we settle the lordship issue. My question is, is Jesus Lord of your life, my friend? Is He first in your life and everything? If He's not, I want to give you the opportunity right now to pray a prayer. A simple prayer that would turn from your old way of living, the sin that separates us from relationship with God, and to walk in a new relationship with Him. One of forgiveness, one of repentance, turning from our old way of living and choosing to allow Jesus to lead your life. Maybe you've been away from God and God's calling you back home today. Maybe for the very first time you're saying, I need to make Jesus Lord of my life. I'm going to pray a prayer right now. You can pray out loud with me or you can pray in your heart. God hears your prayer. With every head bowed, eye closed. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your great love for me. Thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. Please forgive me for living life my own way. I turn from my old way of living and I choose to follow you today. Thank you for a fresh start. Thank you for new life in Jesus' name. With every head bowed, eye closed, I want you to do one more thing for me. If you prayed that prayer for the very first time or maybe you're coming back to God, on the count of three, would you slip your hand up and say, that was me. Our team are going to get alongside you and just connect with you. Help you take your next step in Him. And right across this building, one, God loves you. Two, He's got a plan and a purpose for your life. Three, pop your hand up right now. Say, yes, I pray that prayer for the first time. Maybe come back to God. Awesome. Up the back there. Anyone else this morning? Praise God. Praise God. Thanks, Amy. For the first time, maybe come back to God. Yeah. God is so good. Someone's come home to find Jesus, the hope of Jesus. We celebrate with you. And maybe you prayed that prayer and you didn't put up your hand. 
If you wanna fill in your details on a Connect card and pop it in the offering bucket as it goes by, we would love to connect with you and help you on your journey of following Jesus. We'll just come to this time of, um, of our service where I just wanna highlight to you um, some great ways that you can um, take your next step. And on this Connect card, there's a space that you can write down your prayer requests or your praise reports. We would love to pray alongside you or celebrate what God has done in your life. You know, just this week, we've heard of someone in our congregation and a personal friend of mine who have had a clear report from cancer. As God is moving so good, God, we praise you. We'd love to hear it builds our faith. And it encourages us that God is a God of breakthrough, yeah? And He's working and moving. And so just as our team come, we're gonna receive um, our tithes and offerings. Thanks, Mike, for a great and encouraging word. Every time I hear that message, something new jumps out at me. And I just think, what an opportunity to live a blessed life, to have extreme stewardship and extreme generosity, walking step by step. Um, I just love that thought. If God can get it through us, He'll get it to us. So good. So I just want to highlight, <coughs> excuse me, a croak in my throat. <coughs> Sorry. Um, our Christians Against Poverty, <coughs> we, have, um, we are so blessed that we have a CAP money centre here. There are 47 in our country, but we have one that's here. And over the time that Ricky and Marcel have been heading up our centre, and uh, we have seen six people go debt-free. They are currently working with 12, and they are looking with three of those very likely to go debt-free in the next little while. So again, God, we just thank You for this incredible ministry. And because You give, we get to provide this great service in our community. So on your Connect cards, if you'd like to know some more information, if you'd like to get alongside Ricky and Marcel, they are always looking for debt coaches and people to go into homes with them as support people. I know they would love to hear from you. So I'm just gonna pray. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for giving God your first and your best. God, it's such an honour to give to you. (coughs) Lord, you're such a generous God. Father God, the homing beacon for our heart as we heard today, Lord, is where our treasure is and we want our treasure to be in You, Lord. Father God, help us to earn all we can, to save all we can and to give all we can. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Would you stand with us? We're gonna receive uh, and sing and then I'll be back to pray a prayer of blessing.
that says, let us, Lord, I pray that our Elam Fado, Lord, would we hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess in You, Jesus, because You who have promised is faithful. Father, remind us of Your faithfulness this week. Lord, I pray You would bless my beautiful family and friends this morning. Keep them, watch over them. Father, that You would turn Your face towards them and smile upon them. And Lord, that we would be filled with Your perfect peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us. That's the end of our service. So we'll see you next week. You sent me